The woods are lovely, dark, and deep. Miles to travel before I sleep. Welcome to All Things Crime. Dale, welcome to All Things Crime. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate that. Oh, it's my pleasure. Hey, for those of you that don't know, our guest uh, on this episode is Dale Dupree. He is the president of the Sales Rebellion, and he's definitely not the type of guest that we normally have on All Things Crime, but I think by the end of this episode, you will definitely understand why I wanted to have him on. Uh, he's an expert in relationships and uh, sales, and I'll tell you what, I will let Dale introduce yourself and kind of talk about your background a little bit so people can get a little better feel of who you are. Yeah, I'll give the, the 30 second commercial. So Dale Dupree, leader and founder of the Sales Rebellion, once known as the infamous copier warrior. I spent 14 years in the B2B world selling copy machines. Prior to that, though, I had a dream to be a rock star. And so at 16 years old, I founded a band with some of my best friends. And by the time we were 17, we were planning our first tour across the United States and signed to a record label shortly after and spent about five years doing that full time with those jokers mm -hmm. and enjoying my life. But all good things come to an end. And I ended up going to work for my father, who founded his copier company in 1984. I was born in 1985 with toner running through my veins and kind of this pre-conceived destiny sitting in front of me where it was almost as if my dad knew that one day he'd have a son that would show up and run his business for him. So I spent about four years, four and a half years with my father doing that. Um, and then he sold the business. And in the process of selling the business, I was acquired by the company that bought him. I became the number one rep within the first 90 days of that new firm, took him from 9 million to 25 million, um, and then graduated up to Xerox Corporation, my second job in the copier space. And I spent a couple of years doing that, realized that you can't change the corporate landscape from the inside out. You have to be an outsider and you have to do it from the outside in. So I decided to pull the plug on that venture altogether um, since there was so much focus on money and power and to get into the sales rebellion, which is the idea of bringing hope back to the profession and steering the ship in the right direction again, you know, to take the focus off of products and put it on people, the focus off of negotiations, put it on fellowship, the focus off of pitching and put it on experiences and, and overall just allowing others to understand the true authentic self that you're leading you know, with in your life and not just this persona that you put on from eight to five. So that's a little about me and my company. That is the ultimate 30 second introduction right there. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. No, <clears throat> the interesting thing about uh, what I do with, with all things crime is I'm trying to introduce people to the entire investigative process, but it also in the middle of that, I wanted to also more humanize the law enforcement that I know. You know, I've been working with uh, law enforcement for going on nine years now and on, a, on an intimate basis, meaning that, you know, once, once they buy our equipment, I have to go in there, train them, get to know them, help them with cases. It's, it's all about getting to know the man or the woman that I'm working with so that I can further help them to solve cases. And that's really what it's all about. But in the process of doing that, I've also seen from the outside just the, the incredible PR against law enforcement, especially that's happened in the last couple of years. And I, not only do I think most of it is unfounded, especially when they just demonize these guys, like when somebody puts on a badge and goes out to serve their community, they are not automatically Satan. <laughs> it's, 
it's one of those things where I think if I can help humanize them a little bit, then that's, that's uh, my contribution of it. But at the same time, I think some of these guys also need to be a little more of, of their own PR firm and, and help to, uh, to get the word out about all the good that they're doing because it's absolutely being totally overwhelmed by the media right now. And so I, that's why I brought you on and, and I'm, I'm hoping you can really help me out with that. Yeah, and I, I like the notion that you're leading with here. And I like the idea of uh, people understanding that nobody cares as much as you. And I think that, you know, you can sit back all day and make excuses around how people have skewed the perception or the perceived notion, again, of, of what their profession is and who's in it, uh, or you can change it. <laughs> and, and again, if, if we take into account that nobody cares as much as us, then we'll show people just how much we care by meeting them where they are and creating an environment and an atmosphere that creates familiarity and relevance to them so that they'll hear our side, right? Because it's not about standing on stage and saying, in the next 30 seconds, I'm going to change your mind. It's about standing on stage and making someone relate to the story that you tell through the natural progression of doing it in the first place and of building something that's much more altruistic than just the PR itself. Because like, let's be honest, most of the PR that's being done is is crappy. Like the ones, the, 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 the ones that are doing it right that we see, you know, whether it's on the news or not, or just through community efforts, you know, typically they don't get, they don't get spotlighted for the right reasons. Right. And we, and again, we can sit here and we can blame media all day and we can blame people all day, but, but it's not their fault. It's ours. It's ours for allowing it to, to take place. It's ours for not building such a reputation within our communities that it overpowers the falsities and the, and the the ideologies that are being created through those narratives in the first place. So that's why it's so difficult for most people to make their mind up about another human being, because there's two sides to every story as people look at it, right? And so you have one person saying, oh, I love that guy. He's so great. He's changed my life. He's done this, that for my business. And then you talk to another person, they say, yeah, he's a, a demon, right? You know, devil incarnate, like you just talked about earlier, right? Because because he's part of that group or because they've had some kind of experience with them themselves as well too, right? So I think it's about, it's about a bigger picture in general of awareness first and foremost, right? If you've got, if your PR is, you know, to go into the community and to get to know people, well, if you've got a badge and a taser holstered to you on your way in, you're, you're setting the precedence. You're continuing the stereotype. You're not meeting people where they are. You're making them meet you where you are in their community. So it's, right. it's not accommodating from that perspective. And we have to accommodate more. Oh, 100% agree. My, my thing is a lot of these guys, they come in, they, well, they'll, they'll go into a, an academy straight out of high school, some of them. Uh, some of them have to be a little bit older, you know, to actually be part of the police force, but they may not have other, other occupations, especially in sales. Oh, and by the way, I, I, I want to jump in here and, and kind of dispel the notion, uh, and, I, and I'm sure you do this all the time, that there's a, there's a saying out there that says, well, I'm not a salesman, and so I really, I really don't know that stuff. And I've, that always cracks me up when I hear that, because uh, I'm sorry, if you've ever gone on a date, if you've ever actually uh, been a part of a family for more than a couple of years and not gotten kicked out, then you are a salesperson. <laughs> yes. Just, just, Everybody is in sales. Yes. Let me back that up real quick. A teacher sells structure. A broker sells a network. A buyer sells themselves. Everybody is in sales. Yeah. Boy, and, and I, boy, that last one is awesome. You know, even a buyer, 
you know, if you go in to buy a, uh, a really nice car and you can't convince the sales guy that you can actually afford it, then he's just going to kind of brush you off and move, move on to the next one. So, you know, even, even a buyer is a, is a salesperson. So I, I, I think that comes about because people look at uh, certain types of salespeople and they're like, man, that guy's whole responsibility is to sell me something, you know, get me to buy something that I don't necessarily want to buy. That's just not the case. Well, I mean, there are people out there like that, but sure. that's not really the good salespeople. That's not how they operate. They operate much more on what we're discussing, which is being able to develop a relationship, being able to actually fill a need that the person actually has. Right. And that's why we formed the Sales Rebellion to, to create a community as an outlet for people that are in that boat and want to get louder because they are the silent majority, you know, to give them the voice necessary in order to do that. Absolutely. So in the context of the sales rebellion, let's, let's kind of generalize this and say, okay, so we have a group of people that for one reason or another have, have kind of a negative persona about them. Some of them don't really know how to get out of it other than just forge ahead. And sometimes forging ahead isn't necessarily the best, uh, strategy to go with. So based on what you do with the sales rebellion, what would you recommend to that group to do to kind of change the direction of where things are headed? Yeah, actions speak louder than words and your reputation is what people will believe more so than anything else. And so I'm I'm going to throw something out that's pretty, this might be a little intense and people might hear it and even think it's inflammatory. But if, if you're a refugee from Cuba, right, and you knew what what living under Fidel Castro was actually like, right? And and maybe your dad, you know, was killed in the streets right in front of you, like so many stories, um, you know, that come from that generation and people share. If you were to watch Fidel Castro playing basketball with a couple of, you know, citizens, some kids and giving them hugs and high fives, and you've had a different experience with that guy, you're not going to watch that and go, that's my dude. Look at that. You know, I love that. You're going to watch that and go lies, lies, lies. This is not true. This is not what this man does. And so the first thing that I would say from the perspective of the folks we're talking about on this podcast and also with salespeople is that when you walk into a room and you tell people who you are and what you do, there's a perception. Everybody's experiences are different. And because of that, there has to be an ultra and hyper awareness. There also has to be an accommodation that is created in those moments. Accommodation theory in psychology is the identity of, especially in sales, allowing somebody else to have control over the process during said system, you know, as you roll out a sales cycle, right? Where instead, so that they feel that instead of that they've been swindled or hassled or, or that, you know, this salesperson's slick, that instead that they feel that they're in control and that their needs are being met and that the business case that's being presented is something that they align with, right? So same thing has to go for the community. That, that we're discussing, you know, around on this podcast is that they have to align with people. They have to get rid of the stereotypes. They have to get rid of the perceptions and they have to start meeting people where they are. And they have to understand that when they walk into a room, no matter who they are as a person, that people don't know them, right? They're a stranger to those people. All they see is the uniform. All they see is, is the gun. All they see is the badge. And because of that, they, ha- they, they make their own judgment. Right. Listen, I've, I've never had, you know, maybe once or twice, <laughs> I've never had a good experience with a police officer again, you know, maybe once or twice. And I can't remember them because I was a total hoodlum. I was a rebellious kid. I was a punk rocker, played in a metal band, 
you know, we were always picked on by people that, because we were different. So, you know, in law enforcement, we were constantly picked on. We were pulled over in other states, told that we were going five miles over the speed limit and that they wanted to check our trailer, you know, like stupid stuff that just, it it really, really irked me and and caused me to have a negative perception as well too. Right. So my experiences are different. And because of that, you know, you could stereotype me and say white male lives in a, you know, million dollar neighborhood. And, and so he probably likes cops, right? That's a bad perception to have about anybody, right? Expectations and assumptions do not lead with them. Instead, earn it with every single person that you get in front of, because same, same goes for, you know, the idea of like, Oh, well, this million dollar neighborhood, well, these people all hustled and, you know, worked to create their wealth. They'll probably be cool with me knocking on the door and trying to sell them some cable. You know, 90% of the people in this neighborhood will tell you from their ring doorbell to get off their lawn. Right. And, <laughs> and so it's not the case. Right. It, it is it is something that is earned. Right. Someone's perspective is earned, you know, by the by the perpetrator or in this case, you know, the person that that is unknown to that person. But because of past experiences is perceived differently. So having that awareness is crucial and key to being able to take somebody on the journey with you and help them to get away from the negativity in the first place. Oh, that's man. I I love that. That's a, that's a pretty intense uh, perspective, like you said, and I wish more people understood that, including, you know, the law enforcement officers, because their understanding of, you know, once they get on the badge, some people, some of them actually have the understanding that, uh, no matter what, I am in charge. And what happens in this scenario is all, is completely based on me. And you know what, if it's a, you know, if you've pulled over some guy and, and they are a known criminal, and it's a dangerous situation, then yes, that's 100% true. But the other 99 times, you know, there's, sure. there's, well, there's a perspective you know, like, on both sides there. Yeah. And, and what I would say is like, go to like, let's head to Brazil. And, you know, and you're a tourist, right? You get off the airplane and you get out in the front of the airport and some guy puts a knife right up to your throat and says, give me everything, right? You know, that moment, like the fear that you feel and the perception that you have, like you hate that place. Like first time visiting, all of a sudden you're five minutes in, you're like, get me out of here, right? <laughs> you know, but, but here's the thing is that if you instead in that moment had love in your heart, which is extremely hard to do. And then instead, you know, you did something like, well, as you're robbing me, do you mind if I pray for you? pray for your success, pray that you come out of whatever it is that's keeping you in this place. That's, that's causing you to have to put a knife to someone's throat to make money. When all you really got to do is have them sign a contract, you know, for your services that you're selling at the business that you founded, right? Your whole entire demeanor in those moments, just the same is a huge piece of the puzzle too, right? That we have to understand that as leaders, and that's what I believe anybody is that that picks up that badge, that they have to they have to assume assume responsibility and become a leader. There are no levels, right, from from each and every one of those individuals because they now have the sanctity of human life on their hands, and they have the you know to protect the dignity of the office that they're serving, right? And and we should be a community and a collective, not these are these people, those are those people. And so in, in like in a violent situation, like you talked about, like you pull a guy over, he's got this big arrest record. Imagine the Columbo effect, any police officer that, that might be listening that doesn't know who Columbo is, you should check him out. He's one of the best, greatest de- TV detectives of all time. And he is the ultimate uh, detective of all time as well too. Not just the greatest, the ultimate at finding out exactly what happened and why, because 
he believed in the question and answer effect, right? Which is an improvisational skill. So instead of walking up to, to a truck and saying, what are you doing? You know, you know exactly what they're doing. You know, do you know why I pulled you over? They know exactly why you pulled them over. Why have that conversation? It's assumptive. It's childish to an extent. It doesn't speak to the person that's sitting there. But instead, if you were to interrupt the pattern of what they're, what they're waiting for, right? If you were to do something that's just different enough that causes them to get out of their comfort zone in that moment of thinking, I got a gun in the glove compartment and if I need to, I'm going to use it, right? But instead, if you were to do something that caused them to start thinking away from that, right? And not by steering them away from it, but just interrupting the, the normal and typical pattern of what that person is thinking in that moment. There's a thing that happens in the brain in that moment that like, no matter what plans that we had, Right. That in that in that moment of, of interruption, you know, inside of a, a, a particular node that causes curiosity in our brain, we start to think, what is this? And, and now we want to know what the ending looks like as well, too, because you don't just you, you don't begin something and not and not think to yourself, how does it end? Right. You think that almost immediately, whether it's subconscious or conscious. And so so, again, like just looking at all situations from this perspective of how do I break the mold, you know, by breaking the pattern, by by treating a human the way that they need to be treated in those moments and not the way that I think that they do. Right. You know, corporal punishment, for example, is like, you know, something that a lot of kids had to go through growing up. Right. Like spankings and and groundings. And, you know, so like when you're an adult and a cop pulls you over, like the first thing that comes to mind is like, I don't want to get spanked. <laughs> you know, I know it's kind of childish to think. Right. But like. First thing you think, like, I don't, don't want to get in trouble. This guy, this guy is the person, you know, that I didn't like in that moment of being punished, right? And or girl, right? And so, so if we would take a deeper look at this kind of stuff and tap into less of the warrior mentality and more of the defender mentality, right? Because that when a lot of people think of a warrior, they think of, you know, the one that takes action and that kills everybody in the movie, right? But the, the most favorable warrior is the defender. The one that isn't afraid to do what's right, the one that isn't afraid to step out of their own comfort zone and to help and serve others at an altruistic level, not just you broke the law and now I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure that you go to prison, right? But instead to have empathy in those moments and to allow that person to even agree with you, you know, like, yeah, you're right. I should go to jail. I'm not sure that conversation happens near enough. (laughs) Yeah, you know what? You're right. I, uh, I, I broke the law. I need to go to jail. I, I, <laughs> in, in, in the perfect world, though, that would be absolutely awesome. So, but one of my thoughts is these guys, they do, like I said, they do so much good out there. And yet none of that actually, very little of it actually reaches the public other than the person they're actually interacting with. And there's a particular, uh, like I said, we, we were talking about this guy earlier, He's a chief of police of Freeport Police Department. His name's Raymond Garavi, and he's on LinkedIn, and that's where I've seen him. He just got out of the hospital with, uh, from COVID, so thank goodness he's, he's recovering. But I think that chief right there has it down packed. So if you ever see him on LinkedIn, you'll see he's posting pictures about his interaction with kids, some of the uh, community fundraisers, things like that. You know, he's taking kids with cancer around to the different police departments. He's dressing them up in little cop uniforms. And the point is, I think there's that kind of stuff is going on everywhere, but just nobody knows about it. I mean, all we ever hear about are the incidences like up in Minneapolis where, you know, the cop had the guy down on on the ground with his, with his knee and it was in the back of his neck. You know, those are the only things we really hear about. And I think 
if we were to flip that script and actually move it into the direction of, yes, these guys, they do some bad things. And, but the, a lot of times the, the, the scenario calls for that. But on the other hand, the other 99.9% .9 of their time, they're doing good things. Why don't we ever hear about the good, good stuff? And like I said, I don't think the media is ever gonna, ever gonna help with that. I think it's the, the, the cop's responsibility and the agency's responsibility to help us put that word out. And I, I think Chief uh, Garvey is, is one of the few that are really doing it right. Yeah, I, I would agree with you wholeheartedly. I would say that we have a lot of stereotypes around a lot of different subjects to back that up. You know, we, we demonize white males. We say that they're privileged and, and the wealthiest of the world. And while, while there is a segment of them that is people, and it is because of, you know, the intrinsic part of how, we, how the world has evolved, they are also white males are also the highest percentage of suicides. They're the, the, when it comes to homeless, they are the homeless, right? Um, same with, you know, going to war, right? <laughs> and they're the most casualties of war as well, too. So there's, I think, again, there's, you can, you can create segments and you can, you can, you know, put a spotlight on one and say, these are, this is, and this is the truth <laughs> and everybody else is wrong, you know, because of this one little segment or we can see the bigger picture. Right. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to, take a side here, right? Because I'm like the last person to take a side on things like this, except for the ideology of what is right. What is right is the way that we treat one another as humans. What is right is the what is the legacy that we leave on this earth when we leave. And and so so what someone demonizes something that, that you're doing, if it's altruistic, if it meets the needs of the community, if it honors your faith, if it honors your family, if it honors the people that you're serving and one or two folks don't agree with it, stand your ground. And and I don't mean harm people by standing your ground. I just mean get ready for the onslaught. Get ready to turn the other cheek in the process too. Get ready to be demonized. Get ready to suffer in the face of these things, right? There's plenty of stories throughout history that teach us that this, when the story is completely written at the end, that your tale will be told the way that you want it to be left. And so if you're influencing it, be careful. <laughs> be careful in your reactions. Be careful in, in the stances that you do take. Be careful about flip-flopping on certain ideas. And, and remember that the most important thing that we can do on this earth is to honor one another and the time that we have with each other. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, I am not going to add anything to that because that, that was awesome. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. And it, I know our time's about up. So listen, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on and giving your perspective. And uh, I'd love to have you on again. Yeah, man, I'd love to come back and I appreciate the opportunity, Jared. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Okay, we'll talk to you later. Thank you for listening to All Things Crime. We are so grateful for all of our listeners. If you enjoyed this, please give us a positive review so other people can find it as well. Have an amazing All Things Crime Day.